I'm John Thomas, founding president of MSTAR CFD, and this is the CFD Mixtape. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're talking about turbulence modeling and a little bit about RANS, a little bit about LES, and a little bit about DNS. And to help guide today's discussion, I've invited Johannes Wurz from MSTAR Center Europe, GmbH, to join us and talk about his experience with turbulence modeling and some of the new paradigms we have available to us and the industrial implications. Johannes, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, John. And so you're calling in from Germany, so I appreciate you taking time out of your day. So you work with us here at MSTAR doing software development and code validation and client support. How did you get to today? Tell me a bit about your background in terms of engineering, computational physics, and CFD. So I, I wrote my PhD thesis in Stuttgart. You know, it was about bioprocess engineering. Uh, it was CFD, and I modeled like stir tank bioreactors for pharmaceutical industry. And when I was finished, you know, they liked my work, they liked me, so I, I went into our industry partner, mm-hmm. uh, into their company, and there I worked for yeah roughly five to six years. And yeah, I mean, it is a European company, so I have never heard of Amstar before until one of our clients actually used it, you know, and he got much better results than we did with Mm. our approaches. And well, you know, the rest of the story. So I contacted you, we started the trial and I was immediately hooked. And yeah, I I loved it from the beginning. (laughs) It's a good story. It's a good story. So, so how did you first hear about CFD? Like when did you as a, as a young man uh, first become aware of these modeling concepts and modeling paradigms? Well, I first heard about it during, you know, my studies of Mm -hmm. like this bio uh, engineering um, um, study thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved the the visualization aspect of it as as well, because you have these physics and they just look so great and you can get so much out of it. It's so much more than pure numbers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I see that as a reoccurring theme is that sometimes I think, you know, modeling people get caricatured as being very number focused and looking only at spreadsheets or whatnot. But a lot of us got in this field because we love the visual aspect, right? And be able to see and render really complicated transport phenomena on a screen. That's really satisfying to me, at least. And it seems to be a recurrent theme of other modelers as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you started running simulation in grad school, it sounds like? Uh, yes. So almost every discussion of CFD begins with some discussion of turbulence modeling. Now, this might not be relevant for laminar systems, but in any sort of transitional and turbulent flow, people usually start talking about how they're handling turbulence. Johannes, what's a turbulence model? Well, you know, in an ideal world, we wouldn't actually need turbulence models. If we had extreme computational power, which we might have in, I don't know, 100 years or whatever, then we could resolve every flow structure. So, you know, turbulence is kind of this energy cascade Mm -hmm. through the inertial range into dissipation range. And when you do direct numerical simulation, you resolve everything, but that's not practical, of course. Mm. Maybe you can do it for very small systems, but in industrial relevant applications, you need some kind of turbulence modeling, which means you don't resolve the small structures, but you model them with different approaches. Got it. So I hear different terms discussed. There's RANs, there's 
LES. What are these different flavors of turbulence models? Are they all the same or are some more detailed than others? So RANS models are, are very common and that has different reasons we will talk about later. The basic principle is that, you know, there is some time averaging of the velocity fluctuations, mm -hmm. which you don't resolve, and you derive um, equations for that. And then you try to, to close this problem with different modeling approaches like K epsilon, K omega, Got these it. types of models. So you've kind of talked about two ends of the spectrum here. You talked about direct numerical simulation, where you're trying to capture everything. And that requires very high resolution and may only be relevant to small systems, at least that are fully turbulent. Then at the other end of the spectrum, it sounds like, well, we just throw our hands in the air and say, you know what, let's just forget about even trying to model the transient behavior explicitly. Let's just stuff it all into some sort of parameterized turbulence closure model, which exactly. expands. Okay, so I like simple models. Are there limitations associated with this kind of time averaged stuff it all into a closure model approach? Yeah, and I wouldn't call them simple at all. You know, they are okay. very, very complex. And some some add like two or, or or maybe one additional partial differential equation and they are coupled and, you know, it's really hard to, to understand them and to, yeah. to get a feeling for them. So, yeah, I mean, the limitation is obviously that they are inherently intransient. That's a stark point. Yeah. We're combining intransient turbulence models with inherently transient processes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you can do transient simulations based on these models, but that's kind of contradictory, right? Yeah. And from my experience, the results are not that great when it comes to transient stuff like blending, you know, mm -hmm. which is kind of obvious. Yeah, it's kind of as you unpack the acronym, I can see how you kind of undress the emperor. It's like, okay, we're using time averaged flow fields to model a transient transport. It just seems like as you say it out loud, it kind of starts to make a lot of sense. That, yeah. that point you made about parameterization was interesting. And so at one end of the spectrum, we have direct numerical simulation. Are there any parameters, any sort of knobs or parameters we need to specify in direct numerical simulation? Because you mentioned that RANS had a lot. Does DNS, direct numerical simulation, have any? No, it doesn't have any. Because as I said, you are resolving everything. You know the physics. Everything yeah. is determined. You, you know, th that's an interesting theme here. The more physics you resolve explicitly, the fewer you're trying to model semi-empirically. Said again, it's like this, it seems like the less we're capturing in our simulation directly, the more complex and parameterized our model becomes, it seems like. If I have to resort to a, a RAND simulation, I better get ready to cook up some alphabet soup because I'm going to need to parameterize the heck out of this thing to account for the missing physics that are not captured by these approaches. Yep. But the strengths are, at least it makes a problem tractable, right? If DNS, if direct numerical simulation is intractable, at least RANS makes a problem tractable on a computer, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And which, which is why it's common, I imagine. It, yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons, right? You, you can do it with little resources. 
And, you know, that's an aspect you, you, you shouldn't forget. It's also about, let's say, tradition. You know, yeah. there's so much literature out there about RANS modeling and people build different physics on top of these models. So when you start CFD, you are, of course, scared to use something <laughs> that's not cited like a hundred times, right? Yeah. So that's also a big factor, I think. I think that's true as we just kind of... Uh... Uh, you know, there's, there was a saying in the 80s that went, no one ever got fired for buying IBM. What it meant is that, you know what, just do what the guy before you did and you'll be okay. I think that could be yeah. applied today. No one ever got fired for using RANs. They might not have learned anything, but they certainly won't get fired. Exactly. Let's talk about other approaches. I mean, so we talked about RANs. We talked about direct numerical simulation. Is there anything in the middle? Yeah, that would be... Uh... LES, large eddy simulation. You need higher resolution than you would for RANS models, but it's it's a very, very simple model. Um, it's just a, a low-pass filter on the Navier-Stokes equations. Mm -hmm. It's the same concept in the way that it is an eddy viscosity model, mm -hmm. which is an interesting concept, you know. The small turbulent structures are kind of perceived as a higher viscosity. And that's what many of these models are based on. You mentioned simpler. Does this mean fewer tuning parameters and knobs? Yeah, it actually only has one, let's say, tuning parameter, but it's not really a tuning parameter since it was derived from DNS simulations. So it, it is a closed kind of... Thing. That's neat. So I'm not kind of massaging each time I run a simulation. Is, is LES transient? Yes, of course. Yeah. So it's kind of closer to the DNS side of things than it is the time average side of things in that it's modeling transient fluid flow and transport physics. Exactly. I mean, you can do DNS without turning off the LES filter. Then it just, it just plays no role. But yeah. there is a smooth transition. And that's one of the main strengths. So for other RANS models, like, like K-Epsilon, for example, you need to make sure that you are in a fully turbulent regime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you don't need this assumption for LES. You can just simulate the, the, the complete spectrum without having to worry about your Yeah, model. I've seen that too, and that we can go from Reynolds numbers of one to a million yeah. using a single without any reparameterization of the closure model. And that's pretty cool because it means that we're not, how should I put this, uh, adjusting the recipe depending on the flow physics we're trying to see. Exactly. So Elias sounds like a really promising middle ground here. Why is it not the standard? Why do people jump to these highly parametric, semi-empirical RANS models? Well, because it's, it's uh, more expensive numerically. And with standard finite volume approaches, you really need a cluster to run LES for industrial applications. But, you know, that's different with Lattice Boltzmann. Since we have this high resolution and the small time steps, we can use LES. Yeah. Got it. So, so because we're able to use a fully transient algorithm and the, has appropriate resolution and time step, we can evoke a better turbulence model. Yeah, exactly. And Lattice Boltzmann is an explicit transient method. So mm -hmm. it, it just fits well. Yeah. yeah, it does go hand in glove. I would say that 
very few finite volume based codes even attempt to do LES for the reasons you're describing. Within the context of industrial setting, it's just not practical. And as a consequence, there are a lot of, there's a lot of parameterization, but not a lot of generality of those modeling results. Yeah. Okay, Johanna. So what makes MSTAR so special? Why is MSTAR going straight for the jugular in terms of better turbulence modeling? How is it able to run competitively with these more precise turbulence models that demand higher resolutions and smaller time steps? How was it able to compete with a RANS-based CPU solver? Well, that's because it was designed to run on GPUs. And well, you know, the recent GPU hype, it's, it's, it's there for a good reason, because they are just, when you have the right algorithm, they are just a lot faster than CPUs. So you can speed up your simulation by orders of magnitude and therefore like run minutes of wall time without any problems. Got it. So, so this pivot to GPU-based computing allows us to run higher fidelity simulations faster. Exactly, exactly. That became very relevant during my time in the industry because with RANS modeling, to be honest, I wasn't too confident in my own results because it was we just had this huge trade of this um, intransient model, but we were always trying to find solutions for inherently transient problems. And that kind of got solved. So, you know, I got extremely more confident in my results and, and I could generate a lot more in less time. And it was a lot more reliable in my Using experience. These GPU-based LES simulations. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Got it, that's pretty cool. That's what I'm seeing as well. Okay, Johannes, this is great information. Where do folks go for here? If they want to start to learn more about these better turbulence modeling paradigms and better modeling frameworks, where do they go? What should they read? How should they begin their study? Well, I mean, there's a lot of literature, very good literature out there. There's lots of great YouTube videos and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the best way, really, just try it. Yeah. Get an MSTAR trial, look at the code, run it, and you will see for yourself. I think that's fair. And I think that was your experience, is that once you kind of do it, once you start running with these superior modeling paradigms. You can't go back. You can't go back. That's what I've seen as well. Johannes, this was great. Uh, thanks so much. I, I know that you know we're working between time zones here. I know that you have a lot going on. So I really appreciate you taking time to borrow some of your expertise and some of your familiarity. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. That's our show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and sign up to get new episodes sent directly to your inbox. Check us out on LinkedIn or mstarcfd.com. Thanks for listening.